All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you today? So nice to see you. Everybody online, welcome as well. Uh, it's good to be together here this weekend. I want to welcome you back to our message series, which we began last weekend. Uh, if you have a Bible, please turn to Psalm 42. Uh, that's where we're going to be hanging out. Actually, Psalm 42 and 43 today, you get a little bit of a two-for-one this morning. Uh, if you missed last weekend, I gave a short introduction into the book of Psalms, which is a large collection of Hebrew poetry, songs, and poems, and, and, and artistic writing. And it's sectioned off into five different chunks. And so if you look at the book of Psalms, you'll see book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, written by a bunch of different people over a long period of time. And then eventually it was compiled into the form that we see it today in our scriptures. We also talked about last week, the Psalms are very emotionally powerful. If you take some time to kind of sift through uh, the ancient context, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of emotion. This is artistic, uh, divine inspired writing, which means that the, the Psalms have a way of getting to us, of getting at us into our hearts, unlike other, uh, biblical writings. And so, uh, the walls that we put up, the defenses that we put up, our intellectual barriers and things, uh, this, this text, the, these passages kind of overstep all of those things, go around those things, and we just get to hang out with the Lord heart to heart when we sit with these psalms. It's a really incredible experience. There's emotions in here like joy, anger, abandonment, frustration, uh, celebration, revenge. The whole spectrum of the human experience is represented here. And in today's teaching, specifically, we're going to see this come forward, some of this emotion that I mentioned. Uh, we're going to do something a little different as we read the text today. I want to invite Jeff and Emily Beard up to the stage, and we're, we're going to actually have them read uh, Psalm 42 out loud and Psalm 43 for us. So, uh, hi, let's give, uh, let's give Jeff and Emily a, a nice hand of applause here. All right. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By, the, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. All right, and here is Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? 
Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill in your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. All right, good job, guys. Well done. Thank you so much. Uh, some really interesting passages here. Some of them are pretty famous. Maybe you recognize that very beginning sentence or two there uh, in Psalm 42 about deers and panting for water. And there used to be an old worship song uh, to that effect. Uh, and it's, it's recognizable and it does grab a hold of us. And I really want to dig into it and to talk to you a little bit about the structure and the context. And then that's going to provide a backdrop for us to, I think, pull some things out for for us to, to really relate to. So in your message notes, under the heading, you're going to see uh, the, the phrase, here's what we know. So there's just a few things here that I wanted to pull out about what we know. First and foremost, you can start filling this in, is that Psalm 42 and 43, they go together. These, these Psalms go together. We have one singular poem here with these two chapters that forms a unified composition. There's uh, several factors that lead us to this conclusion. For example, you may have noticed there's a refrain that's repeated three different times in that group of passages there. Here it is on the screen. Uh, it says, um, it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, praise him, my salvation and my God. This is in 42.5, 42.11, and then it comes up again in 43.5. So this is like a chorus in a song. If, you're, if you think about your favorite song, and then oftentimes the, the modern songs today, they have a chorus that's directly repeated. This is so much what we see here. The psalmist comes back to this phrase, and it, it's divided. Actually, the whole, the whole section here is divided into three equal parts across these two psalms. And at the end of each of those parts, you see this chorus come up. There's another, um, like a manuscript evidence that leads us to the fact that these are a combo is the, the manuscripts, the ancient ones that we have actually have them kind of smushed together. So that's another, uh, another tip off to us. And then I don't know if you read, uh, these psalms, if you're following along in our reading plan, but whenever you read them, there's oftentimes a little subscript or a little subheading underneath the titles, and they'll give you a little bit of information. Uh, there's one of those for Psalm 42, but there's not for Psalm 43. Again, it's like the first subset, subscript sort of encompasses both of these. And so these are little, these little uh, cues and clues to lead us to believe that what we have here is one section of text. We also know, uh, the second thing we know is the author, the psalmist, was a worship leader. He was a worship leader who oftentimes led worship in the temple. He was a musician. He, uh, he, played, he played in the band, in the worship band for Israel. And specifically, he helped lead God's people in huge worship festival times during these big events on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Look at verse four of chapter 43. He's a musician. It says he plays the lyre here. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. This is like the national instrument of Israel. It, it looks a little bit like a harp. It kind of plays like a harp and a guitar, a harp tar. Uh, here's a, here's a picture of it. Uh, I just made that up. Uh, also, it says that he not only was a musician, he was a music leader. 
in the festivals of Jewish temple. Look at verse 42.4. Now we're kind of bouncing around both of these. He says this, I would go with the throng, with a large crowd and lead them. There's that word lead. Lead them in procession to the house of God. The house of God is the temple with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So this was his role. The psalmist was like our Jay. You know, Jay, the guy who stands up here and does this and lead. So this is their Jay Whitman. He did this for Israel. He led worship. He was out in front. He was like celebrating and calling God's people forward and, 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 and lifting up praises. And, and he was on his harp tar, right? And it was like awesome. And there was clapping and, and shouting and dancing. He was lifting up the name of God in song and dance. And from the front, he was modeling this for God's people. And it happened during these big festivals three different times. Israel would gather together from all over the country at the Temple Mount. They were, re- they were sort of called in for these huge times of celebration. So there was a throng. It was big style worship. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun, actually. It was a lot of fun for the people of God to gather together like this. And we also know this third thing about him is that he was separated And he was kind of hanging out somewhere in northern Israel. So he wasn't in Jerusalem when he wrote this. In fact, he's like really bummed out. Look at Psalm 42, 6. He's like like lamenting. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. So he's not up in Jerusalem. He's not, he's not, executing on his assignment. He's away from his ministry. In fact, he's all the way up in northern Israel. All right, so it's close to what we now know as Syria and Lebanon. I think we have a map here. So Mount Hermon is way at the top above the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and then there's, of course, Jerusalem just at the very tip of the Dead Sea. And then you just hang uh, left there and you'll hit Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. So there's quite a bit of distance here. He's not He's not there. He's separated. It doesn't tell us, though, why he got separated. We're not really sure what happened. Why are you there, psalmist? Um, This is where the scholars and the commentators will just kind of throw out some theories. And, you know, I read these this week and and refreshed myself with them. And and really, honestly, there's nothing compelling here. It's just basically guesswork. Uh, nothing definitive. So maybe he was taken captive by an enemy people group. Maybe his, his life course just took him there. Maybe he had family up there. He was caring for a sick family member. We just don't know. The, the, that detail is not given. We have reason to think it's, it's not necessarily in his control. And I'll speak about that in a minute. But whatever it is, the current situation, it provides the backdrop for what he's saying here. He's lamenting. Do you guys know the word lament? He's lamenting. He's, he's, he's groaning. He's, he's sad. He's grieving. He's, he's frustrated. He's emoting some stuff. He's getting some stuff off his chest here in our song. And this is something that we see happen quite frequently as you go through the 150 chapters, the 150 songs here. You see this quite a bit. You see the psalmists sort of pouring their hearts out. And it's not necessarily in jubilation. A lot of times it's life 
life is not going well and I'm, I'm struggling and I need to, I need to pour myself out before the Lord in this divine text. And so this is one of those lamenting Psalms. And even though this guy is living in a completely different era, I mean, we think this is at least 3000 years old, possibly 4000 years old. Obviously he's in a totally different culture. He's in the Middle East and we're here in, uh, you know, on the West side and hanging out in Southern Oregon. There's a lot of differences of his context. And yet we see some very relatable things here to our life today. That's the beauty of the Bible, guys. It's an ancient book, but it's living. And so it has some bridges of contact to us that really do speak to our situation, that speak to our contemporary life. It's so useful for us. And I want to see some things. I want you to see uh, some of the things that he's lamenting about and see if you can relate to them because we're going to just unpack this a little bit. And so as these echoes go out, perhaps maybe this is what you've gone through in your life at one point, or maybe some of you, this is what you're going through right now. And so the first thing that he's lamenting, I want to ask you if you relate to this, is very simple, is the fact that he is a guy that just misses his church. He's just missing hanging out with God's people. He's expressing a fair amount of grief over this. He's separated from his congregation. He's, a, he's, he's mourning the loss of corporate worship. Corporate worship is what we do uh, on weekends when we gather for services. It's worship in a bigger room. It's it's not it's not necessarily you know the the church building. It's being with God's people. It's worshiping together. It's celebrating. It's clapping. It's singing. It's praying together. It's it's pouring ourselves out together. It's learning together. It's growing together. He's missing this in his life. This is a big piece of his life. A big piece of his heart has been plucked from him. And he's saying that his soul is spiritually dry as a result. He says this. He says that his, his, his feelings, he's like a deer that, what? Pants for water. Now, maybe you've seen this psalm uh, in songs and in modern day adaptations or whatever. And it's just... This little part of the psalm is the popular part, right? It's basically kind of taken as a, as a general sense of being thirsty and longing for the Lord. And we can identify with that. And certainly there is some applicability to that. But when you look at it in context and we dig, dig around in here, he says he's like a deer who hasn't had any water for a while and it's not a good situation. His soul is dry. Now, Israel, of course, you know this, it doesn't have nearly the amount of water as, as Oregon, as at least Western Oregon and Southern Oregon. All right. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's changing. I don't know. We don't know, but, um, not nearly though, even today. It's not, it's not nearly the same amount of water. So it's already a dry and arid land. And if you've ever been there and you just kind of, you kind of feel it, even, even just walking around in Israel, it just, it's like, the moisture just leaves your body. It's just the, the atmosphere is sucking out the water. And so it's very dry. But when there's a drought, then that's when things get really serious there. The animals really suffer because whatever water there is just dries up quick. And when animals like deer get dehydrated, um, boy, they get thin. Uh, actually, the grass dries up. A lot of the moisture that deer get is just from eating grass and, and foliage. And when all that's gone, then a big part of their water source leaves. And so they get thin, they get gaunt. Um, oftentimes, 
they'll do erratic things right before their bodies shut down. A deer will, will uh, stumble around. They'll not be careful. They'll actually approach predators because they're just so confused. And they'll just do things that you're just like, that's not very deer-like. And they'll stop giving birth. They'll stop having fawns. It's not good. Actually, you forest biologists, if there's any of you around here, you know what I'm talking about. You know it better than I do. So the psalmist is saying, this is me right now. I'm a dehydrated deer because my water source, my church, I can't get to it. Look at verse four and five again. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go, how, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession. Verse five, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And so we don't know what's separating him, but for whatever reason, he can experience his church, the community. And when, when we get together, the people of God, there is a unique presence of God in corporate worship that we can't replicate in any other context in our Christian life. And there's a specialness to it. There's a way that the Lord ministers to us when we get together and it's gone for him and he's begin, beginning to spiritually dry up. And this is Psalm is saying, God, I need your people. This is a lament. God, I need your people. I need my community. I need to be in your house with your people. That fresh water that comes to me in those contexts, I'm spiritually dehydrating. This is the lament. He misses his church. Does this, can we relate to this at all? I mean, can we? We really can now, can't we? We really can. Now, let me say something about this. I just want you to get this so that you know where I'm coming from theologically. It doesn't say in the text that he lost his salvation because he couldn't get to church. It doesn't say that he walked away from his faith because he couldn't get to church. It doesn't say that church attendance is a requirement to be under the grace of God. It doesn't say any of that. Actually, it doesn't say that here, and it doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptures, not in the New Testament, the Old Testament, because we have a belief that believers have access to God's presence anywhere, anytime through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do. This is a beautiful thing about the gospel. The ever-present ministry of the Holy Spirit is given to us by the power of the cross. And so when Jesus, after he dies and he resurrects and, and he ascends into heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit across the earth to inhabit the hearts of all who would believe the gospel, we have the, we have the presence of God. We don't need, uh, we don't need to, in order to access grace, we don't need to come to church. You can have the grace of Jesus for salvation anytime, anywhere. All you do is cross the line of faith, cry out to him. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can meet with God. Anywhere, anytime. But also, we need the family of God. That's what this is saying. We need our church family. Not for salvation, but we need our church family for spiritual hydration. We need our church family not for salvation, but for spiritual hydration. Boy, that rhymes. I just made that up right now. I feel like I could tweet that, write a book on that. I had, that's my first original thought I've had probably in four years. (laughs) 
I think this is relevant. Let me talk big picture for a second about the church in America. The church in America has been struggling with corporate worship for a long time. But especially since COVID began, starting in March of 20. And people who study these things, people like Barna and Pew Research and these organizations, they'll constantly be surveying the church in America to tell us where the church is and what's happening and trending beliefs and these sorts of things. And guys like me, pastors, we look at these things as try to get an understanding of what God is doing or where we're struggling. And church attendance, Barna tells us, has been down 32% across the board since March of 2020, 32%. This is almost two years later. 32% of Christians have basically said in America, I'm just not going to church anymore. I'm just not. I'm tapping out. That's across America. It's actually worse in the blue states than the red states. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just telling you the facts. It's It's just factual. Now, part of this we see is totally understandable. Now, I want you to hear me on this. There's health issues and COVID concerns that people legitimately have. And so this is a part of that 32%. This is a part of what's going on. People have underlying conditions. There's there's many who who, whom I have never met here, a part of our own church, who are like reaching out to me on Facebook, reaching out to me in emails and letters and things, Billy, or we'll just you know, I, I, I'll be at stop stoplights. There's a few around here. And someone will pull up and next to me and, and you know, kind of get my attention and I'll roll my window down there and say, hey, you're my pastor. I just can't come to church right now because I have some underlying health issues. And then the light turns green and I'm like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Okay, uh, I love you. God bless you. Maybe I'll see you soon. And then we have to go. See, that's happening. That's a real thing. But there are other Christians across America who have just simply gotten out of the habit of attending church. They can come back, but they just won't. And it's because maybe church isn't that big of a deal. Maybe they can catch a service online once in a while. And so here's the thing. I think there's a lot of dehydrating Christians out there right now. What do you do when you're dehydrated? And what does the deer do? You know, deer, when they get really dehydrated, they stumble around and they do dumb things. They do undeer-like things. Non-deer, undeer. Also new words. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. (laughs) And so we've got Christians that that's their life right now. See this psalm. You're seeing someone who values corporate worship so much the gathering of corporate worship, and and there's this beauty in here. And it's like, for those of you who are listening, and and maybe you fall into that second camp of folks who've just gotten out of the habit, you know, um, do you miss your church? Do you miss the presence of God? You know, one of the things I hear a lot as people do uh, start reattending corporate worship, I almost hear this every week, is... Someone who's been away and they'll come back and say, no, I'm starting to feel better or for whatever situation. And they'll say, boy, it's so good. I just miss it so much. I forgot what it was like to worship in, in the room, in the big house of God. And it's not just coincidence. I, there's something spiritually positive that's happening here. Guys, there's, there's, there's an enemy of our soul who would love nothing more than to keep people isolated and alone. 
This guy misses his church. Some people are just dry spiritually right now in America, in Roseburg, and they don't really know why. They can't put their finger on it. And here we're seeing some biblical causality for that condition. So can I just lovingly invite anybody who's kind of maybe gotten out of the pattern to just, can I love it? Can I invite you back to church? Can you come back? Maybe you're online and you're just, maybe you're watching this on Wednesday and you're in your sweatpants. It's all good. But could, could you come back? Would you come back? You're invited. Come back to church. Come back. Come on back, y'all. If you can come back, do come back. If you can't come back, that's okay. That's okay too. But if you can, do so. Make next week your first week back. It's like Super Bowl Sunday. It's the perfect Sunday to come to church. (laughs) Okay, that's the first lament. The second one is he feels like God has forgotten him. Uh, this is pretty easy to see in the psalm, right? It says in verse 9, literally, God, why have you forgotten me? Look at that verse. Put that up there, please. Yeah, there you go. And then again, in the next psalm, in 43, 2, he says, God, why have you rejected me? God, you've forgotten me. Why? You've rejected me. Why? And I think this goes along with feeling spiritually dry. You feel distant from the Lord. He's overwhelmed. He's not in his church. He's alone. He's isolated, right? It's not working out right now. And so he's like, Lord, do you even remember my name? Do you remember I'm still breathing air on your planet? Can I just say, this is such a good thing for us to read in the Bible because I do not know a single person who has ever for any length of time served God who hasn't resonated with this feeling at one point or another. This is a Bible writer who's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is literally breathing into him while he's writing these words. God, have you forgotten me? If you haven't ever related to this, then you simply haven't lived long enough in the Lord. And you know, sorry, newsflash, eventually you'll get there. Oh, God bless. This is a church growth sermon. Now for the psalmist, he was feeling forgotten because part of it is his isolation from his church. His enemies, he says, were taunting him all the time. His enemies seemed to be hanging around him in northern Israel. And you know, they were mocking him and they were seeing him down. They were seeing him downcast. And you know what they were doing? They were rubbing salt in the wound. They were like, hey, hey, you're having a bad day? Well, where's your God, bro? Where is he? Where's your big God now? Mocking his faith, uh, boy, that's not good. I, I was trying to think, like, those are his factors, but for us, causes of feeling forgotten by God, we have other things that may happen. I have a little list I made. Uh, one cause of the Lord, you feel like the Lord's forgot you, is that people have actually forgotten about you. Have you ever had somebody forget your birthday or you feel overlooked or maybe people just forget your name all the time? It's like, mom, my name is Billy. I mean, come on, (laughs) please. Or uh, my mom usually doesn't forget my name. Um, 
uh, sometimes she, she mistakenly calls, calls me by the dog's name. But I mean, what mother doesn't do that once in a while, right? Moms? I'm talking like real forgetfulness, right? Maybe at work, your boss passes you over all the time. It's like you're not even there. People forget about you. This is a trivial story, but growing up, uh, my best friend down the road, I actually can't use the real name because this mom may actually be watching this at some point. So let's protect the names to protect the innocent. Uh, so my best friend, Gary, uh, you know, his mom, when it was her turn to pick us up from sports, she would always forget about us. Like every time. Hey, Gary, is your mom going to be here? Because practice ends at, you know, 4.30. Oh, yeah, yeah, she'll be there. Was she there? No, she forgot. And so then we'd have to run down to the uh, office and the principal, this is pre-cell phone, right? And we'd have to kind of get a hold of her and then she'd show up at like 5.30 or whatever and you're just like an hour and you're just like, oh my goodness, your mother, you know? And she's like, oh guys, I'm so sorry, I forgot again. And you're just like, did you? Actually, I talked to my mom, my mom about this and she knows our friend here and she's like, I think that was deliberate. You guys were really a pain in the butt. <laughs> Could be true. <laughs> Isolation and aloneness, when you're in a prolonged, tough place, like you're just in a tough season for a long time, can feel like God has forgotten you. Unanswered prayer, a bunch of stuff in a row just doesn't work out in your life. It's not just one thing that goes wrong. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And at some point, there's just like this line that's established through all these data points and it's not going well. And you're just like, oh my goodness, Lord, where are you? Again, another trivial example. When we moved into our house in Melrose, you know, we bought it uh, about two years ago, a little less than two years ago. And we got, actually a year and a half ago, we got an inspection done, you know, pre, and it, it all checked out. But as soon as we moved in, the house started to disintegrate. <laughs> the dishwasher broke. The garbage disposal broke. The, the, the microwave broke. The stove broke. The stove broke again. The stove, stove broke again. And every time, you know, during COVID, this is right at the start of COVID and you want to get somebody in to fix it. And they're like, well, we don't want to come to your home. We're not doing that anymore. And you're like, how am I supposed to? And you're just like, I don't even understand this. How did this house? Is this like, it's like, is Melrose the Bermuda Triangle? Is it? Is it? No one told me that. You guys just didn't leave all. He's just like, oh, it's so great here in Roseburg. And then nobody tells you. And then our, you know, our HVAC system, System broke. And then we got somebody to come out and fix it. it. Took like two months and then it broke again. It was like literally he left the driveway and we turned it on and it breaks. You can hear it just go crank and you're just like, oh my goodness, what is it me? Is it me at some point? And then it broke a third time and then it broke a fourth time. And then the fourth time he said, I, I think it's fixed. And it was a really nice man. And, and, then, and then it didn't work again and we had to get another company. And then this took like 10 months and remember when the big fires came in 2020 and that there was like two months where it was just black smoke everywhere at the Archie Creek. Remember this? So at my house, you would think, oh, he's running his air and he's cycling through and he's being healthy. Nope, not in my house. I walk in my house and it's filled with smoke and I'm breathing smoky air in and I'm just like Bermuda Triangle and the thing is broken and it just breaks and breaks and breaks and breaks. The garage door broke, the washer broke, the, uh, the washer broke again, uh, the dryer broke. I broke. I, got, I was broke, actually. Um, <laughs> And then finally, everything starts to even out, right? And then one night, it was right around Christmas. And the, everything's working. 
and it's 2 a.m. And we get a fire alarm in our house. And then this voice comes from the house. Fire, 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 fire. fire. I'm just going to keep going. Fire. And I'm like, we're like stumbling around and the kids and Christy and we're running around. Where's there's a fire? Who's this woman? What is this house? Is it like... Is it like an AI? Is there a robot in here? Where are you coming from? There is no fire. So I'm running around in the middle of the night with a flashlight everywhere and it's freezing cold outside and there's no fire. And then I finally came back in the house and she's like still going fire, 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 fire. And I'm talking to her and I'm like, I don't know, where were you during Archie Creek when this house was filled with smoke? There was fire everywhere. You didn't say a word. I don't even know. No one knows. There are some things that are unknowable. Some of you, your life is like my house. That's your life. Things just keep breaking in your life. And it happens so much that you just go, "Where, God, where are you? And basically, life is letting me down. There's a, there's a, there's a common struggle that we have these seasons The good news is that it never lasts forever. We'll get to this in a second. Let me cover one other one. The last lament. He's getting tired of the haters in his life. He's got enemies that are harassing him. Verse 10 of 42 on the screen, as with a deadly wound in my bones, a deadly wound in my bones, he says, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 43, one, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. Verse two, why do I go about mourning because the oppression of the enemy? So much hate this guy had in his life. Hate enough for 10 people. And this is part of his lament. He's just weary. He's just tired of it. He's, he's just, he's like, Lord, haters going to hate. Take them out. One theory is that the psalmist's isolation is somehow due to these enemies. Maybe they are the cause of his separation from the church. Maybe these people are keeping him from sensing the presence of God in his life. Somehow, his enemies are at him. So much, it's like in his bones. Again, this is relevant because let's face it, there's a lot of hate around today, is there not? People are more mean to each other than any time in the last 100 years in America. Uh, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal about uh, customer service companies and corporations all around America who do call-in centers and things, and they're having to retrain their staff because people are so, they're going postal so quick on the callers. More than, they, they log how many times, it's just skyrocketing, cussing, swearing, just just inconsolable and people in the customer service industry in America, all these kinds of jobs are quitting. They're quitting because they just don't want the hate thrown at them because people are so upset, so angry. Also, pastors in America are quitting at the highest rate, guys. We're going to run out of pastors if this doesn't stop. Not here, but other churches right around America. Pastors are getting it from both sides. You've got people in the blue side that are upset, people on the red side, and in the middle are all the pastors trying to get everybody to just get along, and they're getting so much hate, they're like... I'm out. 
I'm out. The highest rate in, since they've been keeping statistics. So be nice to your pastors. America, America. I mean, you, you wear a mask, you don't wear a mask. Political division, vaccine-related division, pandemic division. It's everywhere, from every direction. Anybody relate to this at all? I mean, wherever you stand, it's just, it's just in the air. And it's wearying, is it not? This psalmist is like, yeah, me too, bro. Me too. It gets, it gets tough. So the laments are kind of starting to pile up here. But here's the thing. The psalmist, every time, keeps pointing us back to God. He, he's doing this. He's saying, keep having hope in the Lord. He keeps coming back to hope in God. Remember that chorus I talked about that ties both of these together? That chorus is the hope chorus. That's the best part of the psalm. There's this, yes, there's like lament. Yes, there's frustration. Yes, let's, let's get some stuff off our chest. But then let's also remember who we serve. Remember who God is. A good God who has not forgotten our names, who loves us, and who will eventually come through. Every cry of frustration, he doesn't leave us stuck in that. No, sir, no, ma'am. He says, hope in God. Look at this verse. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I will be in the temple once again. I will lift up my voice. I will clap. I will dance in your presence. Uh, It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And this is the hope that we have in God. This is the hope that we have in the gospel. This is a hope that even though things are bad, believers for generations, all the way back to this psalm and before, no matter how bad life gets, no matter how frustrating life is, we can say at the end of the day, and yet my God is stronger, my God is bigger, my God is holier, my God is paying attention, he knows my name, he hasn't forgotten me, and he will not leave me to be devoured by my enemies. He is strong, he will carry me through. We have hope in him. We have hope in the Lord. I'm not sure if you need a hope invitation, but a minute ago, I invited you back to church. Uh, you know, not you, because you're here, okay? Don't write me emails. Uh, I invited us back to church. I invite us now again back to hope. Hope in the Lord. <laughs>